We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This thing on? See, now I'm getting mad. Because it's getting ready to be on. I want my whiskey to bite me a little bit. This is the kind of psychopath that I hang out with. I got beat up outside of a Denny's. The Rock Pile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. He likes to get in the ex's nose. Something I can't do with this podcast because I drink too much. Chris Kruger. My rollerblading blonde mohawk producer. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bills podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about. Everybody to another edition of the Rock Pile Report podcast. I am your host, Bill's season ticket holder, Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Krueger. And this is your Bill's Week 16 recap. The Buffalo Bills 35, the Bears 13. I'm here with your stats of the game right off the top. Josh Allen, 15 to 26, 172. <laughs> two touchdowns, two picks, one sack. 71.3 rating. Justin Fields, 15 to 23, pretty much the same. 119 yards, one touchdown, two sacks, 92.5 rating. Wide receiver Stephon Diggs, one single first half target, two for two for 26 yards. Only the second time in a Bills uniform he's been held under 30. Third down disparity. Chicago Bears, 2 of 12 for 16%. The Buffalo Bills, 6 of 11 for 54%. Justin Fields, 3 completions of more than 10 air yards. 66 total yards and 1 touchdown. The two of them combined, two teams combined for 5 turnovers. Penalties, Chicago, 2 for 15. Buffalo, 9 for 72. Chris, One of the more lopsided results in that regard we've ever seen. Yeah. (laughs) Running back Devin Singletary, 106 yards, which broke a 15-game drought of not having a 100-yard rusher. Three missed tackles forced. Running back James Cook, 9 yards per carry, 99 total in a tutty. Six designed rushes of 15 or more yards by the Bills, which was a season high. Former Bills quarterback Nathan Peterman, 3 of 4, 25 yards, and the game-ending interception. Chris, I don't know if our listeners can already tell, 
I'm sick as hell. Yeah, you're sick as hell. I got like a stomach bug. I literally have not eaten today. <laughs> not at all? No. I didn't know that. I have, I have a... <coughs> it's like you know your body so well that like, oh, if I put that in my mouth, it's coming back up. Wait, are you like, are you talking about yourself like uh, Chris Traeger from Parks and Rec where he's like, my body is like a microchip. It like, is. <laughs> it is. It is like, yeah, I have like... Some stomach thing going on today. I haven't eaten anything, and I just know myself that if I try to put something in my body, then it'll just, I feel like it'll come back up. So this whole night of podcasting has been dry for me. Meanwhile, on the other side of the table, last week you guys heard me struggling through not having a voice because I had a case of bronchitis. Well, then, because of this weekend's events, I went ahead and added a really nasty sinus cold on top of that. So in between podcasts, I've been going out to the living room, Chris, and flushing my sinuses with the high saline version of nasal spray. Yeah. It's basically ocean water directly up your nose. Yeah. You text me today when I, because I didn't plan for this. (coughs) So (coughs) not many of you people know this, but. Back in, I think it was 19, I bought my second Mazda 3, not to, <laughs> not to brag or draw attention <laughs> to myself, but I did go, I, you drove me to Rochester to buy it. To buy that car. So my car note is with a federal credit union in Rochester. Yes. So based on the storm and me being an idiot and not... Like, I can't do it. I know people are like, you just do it online. I can't do it online because I don't bank there. So they don't allow me to pay my car note online. So you had to drive to Rochester. So I drove to Batavia. And so you text me to go to your house to pick something up. And then there was also nasal spray in it. I had to, like, pick up your nasal spray. You had to pick up my nasal spray, but while you were there, you picked up something else. Yeah. Now, I like I'm this ashamed, my, well, what, I, well, what I'll say is this before you talk about it. I'm not a terrible friend. I'm not a great friend. No. I will forget things. You are will, six months, five months behind. What I, well, not only this, Chris, but let's, let's talk about it between you and me. I'm not the best friend you'll ever have. No, I'm not. Somebody who should, under for any of my friends, under any circumstances, impress your parents. Not ever. No, you, what you are like, though, is like me being a hockey guy. You're like Matt Kachuk. That guy's a dick, but I'd love to have him on my team. <laughs> so, I think that's the perfect analogy. So, we have a tradition here that Chris and I exchange bottles of liquor for birthdays. We have pretty set standards as far as what's acceptable, what's not. I forgot Chris's birthday. With all the things I had going on in my personal life, I forgot, genuinely forgot Chris's birthday. So for Christmas, I had a bottle picked out for him, and him and his girlfriend were supposed to come watch the Bills game at my house for Christmas. And I was going to surprise you with that. Yep. I went a little I went a little farther than I usually do because I knew that I fucked up earlier and I needed to make up for it. I was like, I needed to not just get him a bottle, but I need to get him a bottle of something that I obviously put a lot of thought into. Well, when you moved into your house, the new house, I got you a bottle. Yes. That was like a $70 bottle. Yes, you did. So this is the Breckenridge, uh, Breckenridge Colorado Whiskey PX Cask 
finish. Now, what do you know about Breckenridge? I have had their standard bottle before. Now, made with snow. Yeah. Made with condensed snow into the water that goes into this so that it's pure, untainted. Also, sherry cask finished. I'm I've been on a huge kick with that because it really does smooth out all the rough edges on a bourbon. Yeah, yeah. I'm a huge believer in it. Well, what you do is you, if you have a smoke top, you smoke that glass with cherry. See, you know this shit. I don't. Yeah. Because for me, it's just whiskey, ice, and a glass, and I drink it. Yeah. We, well, we in our group chat we were talking about wild turkey with Iman yeah. and Yuleberg, and I yeah. said wild turkey's best wild turkey 101 the best old-fashioned you can do is with black walnut bitters and pecan syrup of course you did yeah now here's my thing first of all merry christmas merry christmas second of all the reason i didn't get to give you that bottle in person and had to wait until tonight the snowstorm that ravaged this city <laughs> over the course of the weekend. Let's talk about it. How did your experience go? It was fine. I mean, we lost power for maybe a minute and a half. See, that? See, I lost power for a few hours. But again, we're incredibly lucky. And I want to underscore that. There's a lot of people who are going to listen to this who were probably without power for a lot longer. Yeah. Who probably suffered much more than we did. Did you guys ever lose heat? No, never never lost heat. The the snow drifts in the backyard cuz our backyard is fenced in and there is a small space between the fence and the house, you know, where we uh we have a gate to go out to the front and where we keep the garbage. That snow drift was over the gate which was like I think it's like five and a half, six feet. I have a neighbor across the street from me. I'm on a corner. There's a neighbor across the street in the direction the wind was blowing. They have a big picture window in their living room. The snow went up to their roof. There was a drift that basically blocked out the whole front of their house. It just disappeared. It was under the snow. This weekend was crazy. And it's part of the reason that, as you'll hear through tonight's podcasts, I am sick as a dog. Chris, how often did you... Your your girlfriend did send my wife a video of you shoveling and snow blowing and doing outside things. Yeah. Because she was just like, look... She was like, I know Drew gets a kick out of how domesticated Chris is now. Yeah. Look at you. You're the man. You moved out to the suburbs. You got a house. You shovel in driveways. I fucking love it. This was the thing for me. Did you guys like as a neighborhood, like when you look around, like, do you know the neighbors around you? No. Do you care to know them? No. Okay. I'm in the same boat. So Friday comes. I'm driving back from my haircut at nine o'clock on Friday morning. My barber calls me. He goes, Drew, I know your appointment's at 10, but you better get here at nine because I'm going the fuck home. I'm leaving, and that's when the storm really starts to hit. And there's already light poles that are just down. There's wires all over the road. There's light poles that are still standing, but the actual light fixture itself is just hanging. 
and swinging in the wind. I'm like, this place looks like a war zone. And that was before there was any snow accumulation. So Friday comes, we lose our power, we heat the house with the fireplace for a while, and eventually it comes back. I mean, we, Chris, I did a lot of work, but realistically, we had it very easy. And I, I feel for anybody who struggled to do this. I really do. I had a friend of mine from college who saw just on national like TV, just like, oh man, Buffalo's getting hammered. And knowing that I live here, sent me a text message yesterday. Now, today's Wednesday. Mm-hmm. It's Tuesday. We've been dug out for how long? Like Monday, most of the bands started to be lifted. I, I stopped when we went up two scores against Chicago. There, there was a space <laughs> where I could snowblow the driveway, and I got that done. And then we got dumped with more snow overnight, but then it made it made that next round of snow blowing the driveway a lot easier. Well, exactly. You had the same mentality I did. I got out there Saturday. I got out there Saturday in the peak of the storm, negative two degrees, 60-something mile an hour winds, because our neighborhood got plowed, and there was a wall probably three and a half feet tall at the end of my driveway of snow that was going to solidify and freeze down there and turn into ice eventually. And I was like, I can't let that happen or else I'll never get out of here. So I got to go deal with it. And my wife's like, well, why don't you just wait until tomorrow or the next day? And I go, there is no tomorrow. I got to go deal with this now or else I'll be paying for it for a week. A friend of mine from college sees this all going on and he sends me a text message on Tuesday going, Hey, Merry Christmas, brother. Hope you're doing all right. Saw the saw the weather reports. It got hairy up there. And I was like, no, it did, but we're all right. He goes, I knew, basically, his, his thing was, I knew you were going to be fine, so I didn't feel compelled to check on you. Mm-hmm. Because he talks about me the way they talk about Animal Mother in Full Metal Jacket. Yeah. The idea that, he goes, Drew can be a great human being. You just have to put con- real conflict in front of him. All of a sudden, he's everybody's best friend. He gets along with everybody. Chris, I didn't fight with my gr- with my wife once. Yeah, didn't fight with my kids once. How do you fight children? Have get a two and a half year old in the house with you. You'll fight children, <laughs> <laughs> not physically, obviously. No. But he goes. I knew you would be fine because you thrive in those situations <laughs> because as long as there's a real problem, you focus all the negative. Chris, I'm a negative person, correct? Yes. One of the most negative you've ever known. Yes. All of that negativity gets focused on the real problem. All of my energy gets directed there and I'm actually one of the nicest people you've ever met. So I go out there. I clean my driveway. I dig out my fire hydrant. And I'm looking around in this just absolute, like it's Siberia out there. And I realize that lady's 74 years old. I don't know her, but I also have never seen a male or younger people walking in and out of her house. I've never seen her have family over to visit. I don't know if she has anybody. I'll go get her driveway too. That person, you know, I've seen that old guy walking around. I don't know if he has anybody. I'll go get him too. That's how you spend three hours outside 
in sub-zero temperatures. And at the same time, Chris, if any of those people approached me and tried to speak to me or have a conversation, I want no part of it. Yeah, yeah, I'm the, I'm the same Because I'm not here to be your friend. Yeah, everybody... I just live in your neighborhood. Like, And it's the right thing to do. The house across the street and the two next to it on each side, they all are out there snow blowing. The uh, one, one next door, also, they snow blow. The one, there's another one next to us, the other one. They don't have the capabilities because they're older, but they do have somebody come plow their driveway. Sure, and what happens when that person doesn't show up? I have no idea. I guess, like, this whole storm thing just has me... Like, I don't know, there's a lot of people bitching in the aftermath of it. And some of it's justified. Some of it's not. Everybody has a hot take about it, whether it's the government's fault and it's uh, people looting and this, that, that. Everybody, Chris, everybody wants to blame somebody. And it bugs me because this is like we're Buffalo. We're the city of good neighbors, right? At least supposed to be. Yeah. Iman Azizi. Him and his wife. His wife just did a spot on NPR. I know you didn't hear it. No, I didn't. I didn't know about it. But, but, talking about how the close-knit South Buffalo neighborhood and the way that they pulled together during the storm is one of the things that being a transplant from outside of this place has endeared this city to her. How... Not having any attachment to this place at all. She loves Buffalo because of the community they found themselves in, the way people pull together during these these kind of times. That's it. Like, that's exactly it. It's why I'm sick today. It's because, and it's, I think the thing is, it's like, look, Chris, I've told you multiple times. I don't know any of my neighbors. I've never spoken to them, except for my direct neighbors who tried to talk to me the day after the Vikings game. They saw, not a me, good idea. they saw me unloading my truck and thought that was a good time to come have a conversation with me. And I think I ruined it. Now, I leave that stuff to my wife. I go, listen, you want to be friends with the neighbors? You're the face. Go talk to them. They'll see the kids, think they're cute. They'll see the dogs. They'll see you. You're personable. Everyone in the neighborhood will like us or like you guys. I don't need them to be my friend. But also at the same time, if di- real disaster finds its way to my doorstep, I also want him to know I'm here. This is what I do. <laughs> this is what I bring to the table. And like, I feel like that's what made this city like that's the, the, isn't that supposed to be the backbone of who we are here in Buffalo? It is. I don't have to be your friend. At a moment's notice, I'll be there for you if you need it. Yeah. I think that this storm brought out some of the worst, but also some of the best in people. And I think that moving on from it, it's all in how you choose to see it. And I also think that a lot of the people who are taking the social media to complain about this, if everybody who's bitching and complaining took that same energy and put it into picking up a shovel and doing something tangible to go help somebody else, we'd all be better off for it. I just want that to be food for thought. Before you complain about anything, Take that energy and try to put it into something tangible first and just watch and see how much better things get around you. That's it. I mean, that's I'm not going to I'm I guess I kind of got on a soapbox there, but holy shit. 
I'm just happy that the temperature's rising, the snow stopped. Chris, the melt's already starting. Yep. Check your sump pumps, people. Mark Mark Smith, our attorney, has made us all very aware. Pump spy. Go get yourself a pump spy. <laughs> Chris, there's going to be flooding, right? I would assume so. I'm just very glad that the storm is over. And I'm also glad that that Bears game is over. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Because I don't think I've ever felt that bad about a game that the Bills won by that much. Ever. It's a little weird that, uh, you know, I... I'm off work for the holiday, so it was a little weird that I didn't get to watch the game with my group, the people that I watch with. I know. It was weird. It was weird for me because I was I felt so bad on Sunday that I was like, oh, man, Sunday football, I'm going to get tore up, watch the, watch the Dolphins lose, the Bills already won. I feel great. I had like five beers and I fell asleep at eight o'clock. <laughs> like I fell asleep at eight o'clock and was just in and out all night. It's it's been a ru- I, I I haven't slept in my own bed in a week because I cough so much at night that I just I was like I'm not going to keep my wife up. Yeah, I'll just sleep on the couch. If I'm talking about this Bears game, I want to start this with a story. When I first started doing collections, when I first came home from college i was probably 22 years old no not even i was 21 21 years old and i worked at a collection agency with a site manager named joe it's december which is always the worst month for collections activity because everyone's spending their money chris if you're not already if you're not paying your bills to a point where you end up in collections you're definitely not paying your bills in december right oh yeah so We're already in one of the worst months. I'm already at my number. Like, I started the month almost at my number for the month that I had to hit in order to earn a bonus check. So I wasn't worried. I'm like, listen, I can gravy train this for the next month. I'm basically putting my feet up on the desk and just cruising through the month. It's the week of Christmas. This guy comes out of his office. Chris, this would never fly in any workplace in America today. Never. He tells everybody to get off the phones, line up against the back wall. And he goes, listen, my office is too small. I don't have enough time. And I've got too much. He goes, I've, he goes, I've got too many of you to cuss out. 
my office is too small and I don't have enough time, so I'm just going to line you up and do it in order. And he went down the line and had something for everybody. You're not making enough phone calls. You, you need to be more assertive. You, so I, I'm waiting for him because I'm like, there's no way he has anything to say to me. He gets to me and he goes, hey, asshole, wake up. And he's snapping his fingers in front of my face. He goes, and I go, hey, what? I'm at my number. He goes, yeah, since the third. Are you going to do He goes, are you earning or are you just sitting here taking up space? Because if so, go home. He chewed everyone's ass quickly and collectively together. And then two days later was at our company Christmas party, slapping everybody in the back, having a good time, just being like, ah, you know, guys, <laughs> you know, you know how it goes. Yeah. So like Joe, I've got too much ass to chew and not enough podcasts to do it. So it's easier if I just line everybody up and get it out of the way quickly. We're going to start with Gabe Davis. First of all, Gabe, your hands. Did the Grinch steal them? Like, what the fuck? You finally had a good catch with your hands in traffic. Something that we've been complaining that you don't do for so long. And then you get greedy and drop the ball fighting for yardage. Chris, that fumble, what what went through your head when you watched the Gabe fumble? I... I couldn't wrap my head around it. It was... I mean, the first half was a tough watch. And then, Chris, that that lacks effort on the comeback in the end zone that got picked? Yeah. It's like, come on, dude. You Or no, that, that was the one that almost got intercepted. If anybody looked at it, it would have gotten picked. And he didn't fight back for the ball. He At worst, maybe he gets a defensive pass interference in the end zone. Do you know that statistically Gabe Davis has drawn fewer flags than anyone else on the team? Did not know that. Yeah. Isaiah McKenzie has drawn defensive pass interference flags. Stephon Diggs has drawn pass interference flags. Gabe Davis has the least of any starting wide receiver on this football team. For a guy his size, he doesn't play with enough physicality, which is not only a problem on 50-50 balls, which some of which you can blame on Allen, like whether it's just him, whether it's the elbow, he could do more to get him more catchable balls. But Gabe doesn't show a lot of fight for a guy who's that big. Yeah. It makes me think of my buddy Doug. I remember when we were doing collections, this big black guy we worked with looked at him and goes, Doug said something to him that was snarky. He looked at him and he goes, you're big for no reason. <laughs> it just what shook his head like like he was like I'm supposed to be intimidated by you. <laughs> it was one of the funniest interactions I've ever seen, and that's what I think of Gabe Davis. You're big for no reason, and you play that way. You got to fix it. Special teams unit, good lord, the special teams unit, penalties, sloppy decisions. Naheem Hines, look, Naheem Hines has been great since he got here. I don't want to. I'm not trying to besmirch the man. But he had his worst day. <laughs> Maybe his worst game of his entire season on Sunday. Waved off punts that he couldn't judge in the air. Left us on the goal line. He muffed one. D- d- made decisions to come out of the end zone and then only got 10 yards. He had a bad day, Chris. Yeah, I mean, <coughs> it is Chicago. It is windy, so it can be... A little tough to judge punts. Sure, but then anytime he did something well, 
There was also some other idiot grabbing a jersey to nullify his efforts. Oh, and we also spent a whole half being unable to kick a field goal. That was nice. I have to say, I genuinely felt bad for Tyler Bass. Well, this is his first time dealing with I mean, I know we get it here, too, in, in the winter, but Chicago's just a completely different animal. So he's a rookie in that situation, it, basically. I just looked at it as, did you see how visibly frustrated he was? Oh, yeah. Like, that second one, he's even, like, pleading with the guys. He looked at Reed after the play and was like, Reed, I did the thing right. Like, don't blink, don't get mad at me. I did the thing. You just feel bad for him. And then I've got Dorsey in his run game aversion. Like, let's talk about this. Third and long from your, basically outside your goal line. It was like third and eight from your own three-yard line. All of the routes were designed to go 20 yards. Not a single one to the sticks. There was no short options. That's stupid. You're going hunting for a big play when converting a third and eight from your own three should be viewed as a win. That's dumb. The Bears blitzed on third down all day. He never provided Allen with a speed option out into the flat as a check down. The one time that he did it, Hines took the ball for a first down, which should have proved that it can work, and then he went away from it again for the rest of the game. Why does he hate this so much, Chris? I have no idea. Why does the short passing game bother Ken Dorsey so much? So you don't have to get it all on one play. He thinks so, though. And then what's worse is the run aversion, despite its success, and considering the disaster that our passing game was. Like, it almost got us killed. We come out in the second and used all three running backs, right? And Josh Allen, he has a big run. We go down, we score a touchdown, get a two-point conversion. Next drive, Allen immediately tries to throw to the end zone, incomplete. Two James Cook rushes and 35 yards later, we're putting another touchdown on the board. And you say to yourself, okay, the run hasn't been there all the first half. We found it. We found the thing that's going to key our offense for the rest of the half. Next drive, pass attempt draws a hold. They run once for two yards, pass again and punt. The next drive, Three straight throws. Gabe Davis fumble. Bears turn it over on downs. We run for three yards. Immediately call a play-action pass, and we throw an interception. So, Chris, you're seeing a theme here. Every time the pass game gets involved, something bad happens. Yeah. Drive after that from their own 16. Good run with Cook. Deep shot downfield to the smallest, least physical wide receiver on our roster in Isaiah McKenzie. Another short dump off that goes nowhere, we punt again. I understand that Allen has some responsibility here, but the theme just not only play selection as a whole, but also this idea that Dorsey hasn't done enough within the structure of the offense to make Josh comfortable looking for underneath routes and then using the yards after the catch. Didn't they spend all offseason talking about that was a focal point? I believe they did. Oh, we want to get better at yards after the catch. You're actively avoiding it. I was going to do a whole Ken Dorsey rant, but I got some perspective watching what Chicago did. Holy shit. 
their design quarterback runs were atrocious, and they got their offense nowhere. Justin Fields, Chris, the reason that they've been most of the, in most of their games, true or false, true. Is, because Ken, is because Justin Fields runs the ball so yeah. well. He had 11 total rush yards, and seven came on a scramble, not on a designed run, but on the first play of the game when Buffalo got pressure right up the A-gap. Three designed runs that went for zero or just negative yardage. The Bills' front seven was well-prepared for everything that the Bears were going to throw at him. And in doing so, became the first team since week two to hold fields under 20 rushing yards after he'd been averaging 115 per game since the start of November. Their offensive coordinator, Luke Getze, like his run game has been solved, at least by front sevens with discipline and good defensive line play. And then there's this gem. Chris, read the tweet that I put in here from Jacob Infante. The Bears had 11 plays that came on second and eight or farther against the Bills. They ran the ball on seven of those plays, and none of them got first downs. Not only does that show the predictability in Luke Getze's play calls, but it also shows unwillingness slash inability to adjust. Can you imagine how happy Frazier must have been in the third quarter realizing that his opponent on the other side of the field was just, hey, this stupid thing I keep doing that's not working, I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah, sounds about right. That guy was playing tic-tac-toe while he was playing Chinese checkers. It it really got ugly. And while the Bills' cornerbacks have been susceptible to giving up plays for the air this season, specifically on third and long, Getz's game plan involved fields, like throwing the ball an average of just 5.8 yards per throw through the air. It's stupid. It's, it's egregious, considering the Bills are very good at rallying to the football, making tackles. Well, they actually lead the NFL in missed tackles. Makes sense. But they're very good if you're not elite. And it's a huge part of the reason that the Bears went the entire second half, which is two first downs, one of which belonged to Nathan Peterman right before he Nathan Peterman. So as mad as I want to be at Ken Dorsey... It can get worse. You know, it's one of those things Greg Thompson over at Cover One always talks about. If you're going to fire a guy, you better have an answer. Chris, what if you fired Ken Dorsey and ended up with Luke Getze? (laughs) It could be worse. Yeah. It could always be worse. Another thing that stuck out to me about this game was how our defensive line depth really shined. And it's another performance that really speaks to the job that this coaching staff has done in growing this team year over year. First of all, there's Kingsley Jonathan, who Anthony Prohaska from Cover One has had a crush on since the preseason. He was super excited that he was going to get a start or at least get playing time in this game. So he did a full breakdown of most of Jonathan's reps. Chris, the Bills, like, they've impressed me with how long they've, de- like, how they've developed this stable. This guy is a, just another example of the job they've done in that regard. You can go, what is it, pro double underscore ant on Twitter. Yeah, that's pro Haska. He's got multiple plays broken down. But when you look at the job that that guy did, like, think about one of them got called. He was offsides. 
But imagine the instincts you have to have as a defensive end to jump a screen pass and knock it down. Like, that's a very instinctive play. Like, hey, I'd watch the way this quarterback lined up. I know that he's throwing the ball to the running back. So as I come across the line, my hands are already up in the passing lane and I can swat this ball away. Now, he was offsides. He lined up in the neutral zone. But it doesn't change the fact that his head was in the right place. For a practice squad player to come in and make a play like that. Then I go back to a play where Justin Fields rolls out and you watch Kingsley Jonathan stick with him. The way we saw Trent Murphy used to do in that, like you saw it a bunch of that playoff game against the Ravens a couple years ago, where the the goal wasn't to sack the quarterback. It was to contain the quarterback. Make him, because if you go for the sack, you might give up. You know what I mean? The, the goal is have him hold the ball for as long as possible without being able to throw it so that the rest of the defense can rally. And even if he breaks your contain, he'll get tackled eventually. But you have to hold a second, two seconds. Kingsley Jonathan does a great job of breaking down in space and just kind of using, they call it a surf technique, to stay in front of him and not give up real estate. Eventually strings the play out for a tackle for loss. It's one of these plays that you go, this guy's on the practice squad? Why the fuck isn't he starting? And then you think back. And you say to yourself, Chris, hasn't haven't all of the depth players on the defensive line for this team really made an impact? They have. I mean, look, Tim Settle is finally starting to flash plays. He's you know, as his numbers have been called more often. He's finally starting to settle into a role. No pun intended. AJ Epinesa. I've been on the bandwagon of AJ Epinesa's useless like tits on a bull. He has six and a half sacks. He has the most unremarkable six and a half sack season I've ever seen from a defensive end. Chris, knowing that he has those six and a half sacks, do you still, just through your fan goggles, see him as an impact player? Oh, yeah, he is. He's he's worth what we spent. Well, you say that because you know the fit I threw that we didn't get J.K. Dobbins. Yeah. So it's easy for you to heckle me by saying that. But also, A.J. Epinesa went from one to two sacks a year to being in that sack lead conversation for the team, and he's a depth player. And then I go back to guys like Brandon Bryant. Remember back to the Baltimore game? Yeah. Practice squad call-up, and everyone goes, oh, okay, that's not good. It's not going to go well. He was leading the charge, breaking up blocks, paving holes for the linebackers to make plays on running backs, forcing offensive adjustments. He was instrumental on the fourth down stop that got the Bills the ball back that they used to go down and win the football game. Without Von Miller, this depth has been and will continue to be a key to the Buffalo Bills and whatever defensive successes we might find. It should encourage everybody that the Buffalo Bills have this stable of defensive linemen that have kind of become something of a toolbox, right? You don't have a all-purpose, every-situation star defensive end anymore. He's gone. He's not coming back. Greg Rousseau might be the next best thing you have to it. 
He'll play three downs. He'll rush a passer on pass downs. He's stout against the run. Everyone else is just this churning process. Shaq Lawson. Shaq Lawson came back to Buffalo and has put himself back on the map as a useful defensive player after two different teams cut him. What? Not not just two teams cut him. He was traded from Miami to Houston. Houston cut him. He signed with the Jets. The Jets cut him. I He's a guy who's been passed around ever since he left Buffalo. He came back here. We made him useful again. You don't have a star in this group. But what you have is a group of, even to the practice squad, a group of talents that Sean McDermott and his coaching staff are really comfortable based on the situation, based on the opponent, dipping into to say, well, I don't need a pipe wrench this week. What I need is players. What I need is, you know, I I need a crescent wrench this week. Uh, This week I need a hammer. They can find what they need out of this defensive line group all the way down the roster. And this game was a perfect example of it. I love that about this football team. And I love what that means for our playoff hopes. Now, Chris, that brings me to this week's Hero and Zero of the Week. The hero, I think it has to go to the Bills running back group. Here's the deal. I'm the best there is, plain and simple. I mean, I wake up in the morning, I piss excellence, and nobody can hang with my stuff. Uh, you know, I'm just a, just a big, hairy American winning machine. I sent a text message to EJ during the game on Sunday, and I said, is your... Run defense always been this bad. I just feel like we're running like deer in an open field. And he goes, there's literally no one left to play defense. (laughs) On a day when nothing went right, the run game saved our asses. Eric Turner over at Cover One is some really great breakdowns on Twitter showing how Cook's combination of speed, like his speed and hands and everything else, his fine, like his decision making and his like execution has finally caught up to his speed and his footwork has finally become a little more sound. And they're starting to mesh, which is producing some highlight reel runs. Meanwhile, Singletary has become old reliable. But Chris, it's weird. He's not done with his rookie contract yet, but he's the most reliable running back. And it feels like he's been here forever, doesn't it? Yeah, he's not going to be here for much longer, I'll tell you that. The two of them averaged 8.8 and 9 yards per carry, respectively, on a day when our quarterback was averaging just 6 yards per pass attempt. The game would have looked a lot different if these guys didn't show up ready to perform. The offensive line has been doing better in front of them, but a lot of times, if you go watch these threads that are put together, breaking down the plays, it was just watching the backs make the right read off the snap or watching the way the play was developing in front of them from the handoff point to them recognizing, hey, that linebacker's out of position. If I just bend this run this way, I'm going to find an extra six yards. You saw it over and over again, them setting themselves up to successfully eat up all the yardage that the linebackers were giving them to try to protect against the pass. James Cook had at least three runs or he was at the third level before he got touched by anybody. Like, that's how you end up with his ridiculous 7.4 yards before contact per attempt. 
Chris, seven yards before contact. That shouldn't happen. That's a college stat, right? 100%. It underscores just how much his feel for the game and his ability to now understand how blocking at an NFL level develops in front of you has grown from where he was at the start of the season. You combine that with Singletary's own reliability and his 24 yards after contact just because of his balance and just how low to the ground he is. Teams that try to take away Allen and empty out the box better have some of the best linebackers on earth. Because otherwise, like you're going to have to go back and watch this tape very, very carefully. Because if you present running backs like ours with light boxes against mediocre linebackers, they can feast. And unfortunately for the Bears, they picked their poison and the Bills just had too much to give them. None of this win happens if not for the individual efforts made by those guys. And then there's the zero of the week, and I thought it was fitting that we give this to quarterback Nathan Peterman. You folks fell on your face. You get an F minus in my book. Dude, this guy can't help himself, can he? No, he's got to throw a pick. It was funny looking back over the career game logs. Going back to his last season with Buffalo back in 2018, anytime he's been asked to come into a game and throw the ball more than twice, he has at least one pick. Isn't it embarrassing? Yeah, it is. How are you still in the NFL? Yeah, he's going to get a pension check, too. <sighs> Why? Because he's been around for long enough? Yeah. How does that work? Does I have no work? no idea. you got to play like four years. 2022 has been a season of what I've, I've been looking at as revenge games. You know, for historical wrongings of this franchise, at least over the last couple of years. For, you know, we thumped the Titans on national TV after back to back primetime losses. We embarrassed the Steelers after they stole our thunder in last year's home opener. We steal one from KC at the end in dramatic fashion, the way they stole one from us in 2021. So, with that in mind, it was nice to finally take one away from Nathan Peterman ourselves. The man who left egg on the face of not just our franchise, but also our head coach. Think about it. McDermott was the guy who had to fall on the sword. He's like, yep, Nathan Peterman, I let that happen. Not once, but fucking twice. If Josh Allen hadn't panned out, how stupid would McDermott have looked for naming Peterman a starter twice? Very stupid. I blame Peterman for that, not McDermott. Because McDermott has proven himself to be a good head coach. Peterman has proven himself to be an absurdly bad quarterback. So to send the Bears packing in a way that felt almost karmic, like that felt good. Watching Peterman just loft up one of his trademark meatballs into a crowd of four Bills players with no Bears wide receiver around in the end zone and coming away with that turnover, it really just put the icing on the cake. That is like... I finally got some get back. Fuck you, Nathan Peterman. I'm glad you ended somebody else's game instead of ours. Final thoughts, Chris, before we shut the door on this and move forward to what might be one of the, what is the biggest game of our entire season. Yeah, yeah Monday night's going to be a big game and we're going to need it. We got to win out and lock down that one seed. That way the AFC title game comes through here and I can go to it. Was the Bills winning this game knowing how the weekend went? Like, how much did that factor into, like, 
just being stuck in the house. It helped. Of I mean, course it did. Yeah. I want you to think back to the Rex Ryan era and the start of this podcast, Chris. <clears throat> Can you envision a world where we'd be bitching about anything, anything at all, if the Bills won by more than 20 points? Uh, you can bitch about anything. Go back, though. We were just hoping for a playoff appearance. Yeah. Would we have been crying about a 20-point win? About anything? You might have. You find a problem with everything. Yes. It's like I talked about before. I'm one of the most negative people on Earth. Yeah. It's part of the double standards this team has built for itself. Some of that is our fault as overzealous sports fans. Part of it is their fault for having an offense that can do so many frustrating things, yet because of our skill players and who we have at quarterback, still just steamroll someone in the process of driving people like me crazy who focus on the process of the game as well as the end result. The number of mistakes this team made on, on Saturday could have turned this into another iteration of our 2021 loss to the Jaguars or our loss to the Jets just a few months ago. Fortunately for us, even when Allen and his wide receivers aren't the best versions of themselves, this offense has turned a corner to the point where, like, like other areas of the offense are finally contributing. Guys who aren't named Allen don't, like, Allen doesn't have to win us single-handedly every single game. The result will still swing our way dramatically if you're playing a team as bad as the Bears. That's what being an elite NFL team is supposed to look like. On the days when your quarterback doesn't have it, someone else is going to pick up the rock. Someone else is going to bring the juice. Someone else is going to help you cement that victory, whether it's your defensive coordinator, whether it's your running backs, and God forbid it's both of them at the same time. And the Buffalo Bills are every single bit of that. And if they can clean things up from an offensive play calling and defensive discipline standpoint heading into the playoffs, everybody, everybody better watch the fuck out. I'm excited, but for tonight, we got to get the hell out of here. Chris, we've bored these people enough. Yes. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Kruger. And this has been your Rock Power Report.